0: Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. It's good to see everybody this morning. Good to see if you're joining online today. Um, I just got my degree in skydiving. Yeah, but I had to drop out to graduate. (laughs) So what did the cowboy say to his horse when it looked sad? No, why the long face? You guys don't like my Crow originals. That one was actually a Crow original. Yeah, that's all right. I got uh, out of it. That means it was a good joke. You know, horses have long faces. Anyway, sorry. Ah, goodness. You know, words are important. Did y'all know that words communicate what we think and what we feel and they communicate very well. So uh, just a couple things about words. Um, You know, how you use words really matter and um, actually how you hear words matter. Anybody ever been in a, a discussion with someone and you said something, but they heard exactly the opposite of what you said if you're married, the answer is yes, like this morning on the way to church. Right. So what happens on a regular basis is you communicate one thing you think with your words, but you're communicating something else. So words are very, very, very important. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a little sentence and you're going to, you're going to get thinking your brain. What does this sentence mean? All right. You ready? I'm mad about my flat. I'm mad about my flat. Now, if you're an American, you probably had a thought, but I'll, I'll come back to that. But if you're British and you're mad about your flat or whatever the word they Irish, uh, I guess I can't. I can't get a British. I went to an Irish. I'm mad about my flat because the only thing I know is, uh, and that's a bad Irish too. How about if I don't do any more like, uh, yeah. Only the only accent I know is one I grew up with down south. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm mad about my flat. If you're British, what you're saying is, is I'm, I really like, I really like my apartment. But if you're an American and you say I'm mad about my flat, you probably had a flat tire on the way to work or way to church or somewhere you wanted to go, right? So the exact same words Through two different lenses means something different. And that's the reason we've really been focusing for the last uh, few weeks on what words mean. Because quite honestly, if I had your understanding of who God is, just to use a word, I might not worship him either. I might have an attitude with him too. So what do we think about when we think about God and the words we've been using to describe the nature and character of God are described on purpose in a way to help us understand what the Bible means, what we mean when we talk about God and what the words actually mean. So we're talking, we talked about God is good and what good means and that how God, uh, uh, God is good. And and a guy said to Jesus one day, he said, um, uh, let me see. Um, good teacher, and Jesus said, what do you mean, good teacher? There's no one good but God alone. Are you calling me God? Which I thought was interesting. Then we talked about how Jesus is true, how God is true, not 99% true, not 90% truth, because that's what Satan does. Satan will mix a little bit of truth with a little bit of lie, and he'll deceive you with that, and you do it to yourself all the time, a little truth with a little lie, but God is true 100% complete. He sees all angles and is always true. Then we talked about how God is hope and how we have a hope that's rooted not in the things of this earth, but we have a hope that's rooted in an eternal dwelling in heaven in the very presence of God and that all hope comes from God. And then we talked about God is love. And this is one I, I've had some feedback on my sermon I preached on Easter about God is love. And I, I swear, half the people who heard the sermon did not hear what I was saying love was. So I want to redefine love for you. All right, ready? Love is when you're loyal and committed to the object of your love and you want their best when you're loyal and committed to the best for the object that you love for the best, the best, not good, not feeling the best of the object that you love. So if I love my wife, I want what's best for her, not what feels good, but what is best. And then we talked about God is holy. And if you've ever been around church and you've heard words like holy or our rules tossed around, you need to listen to that message if you didn't hear it because I talked about a lot of the rules in the old Testament and why they were there and what we do with them and, and the, the sort of the filter we can think through all these things with to understand God's holiness. Today, what I want to talk to you about is power, and power means possession or control, possession of control, authority or influence, and the ability to do or to act, and a real simple illustration, possession of control. Anybody ever been out of control? Now, I, my, my son was, um, um, I, I believed in wrestling with my kids, and I did it on a regular basis, and and uh, if they got too aggressive, I'd hold them down, make them say uncle, or as they grew older, tap out, which I'm allowed to do. And, you know, that was sort of fun. We, I taught them how to tackle, form tackle before they could ever walk. Being a football coach, kid had to know how to keep his head up and drop the shoulder and wrap up and drive with your legs. Well, well my son goes off to play college and he's uh, playing college uh, soccer. And, They're doing these eight mile runs and hitting the weight room every every day. And he comes back. He's just a beast. And uh, we're we start wrestling one day. And, you know, I've always taken him and uh, we start wrestling. And next thing I know, I'm tapping out and saying, uncle, I'm like, this isn't right. I get mad. So I pop up and I say to him, you can't do that again. And I went at him and sure enough, about two minutes later, he did it again. And I found out what it was like to lose the power of control. The control is possession of control is power. And in those moments I was powerless because he had exhibited control over me. Y'all, y'all following what I'm saying? And, and power has to do with the ability to control. And some of us, the big problem we have in life is we're constantly trying to exhibit power over people God never told us to exhibit power over. And over situations, we're not supposed to exhibit power over. So we're frustrated all the time because we're trying to get control over something that you don't have the authority to control. All right. So would you stand your feet in honor of God's word today? We're at Psalm 147, verse five. Psalm 147, verse five. I think y'all could probably memorize this one too. You think we can say this out loud together? What is it? Like seven words, eight words? You can handle eight words, right? All right. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. Could you say it again? Great is our Lord and mighty in power. Well, God, we pray that today you would speak to us about your great power and we would trust you and we would entrust to your control, the things that you want to control. And we would let go of the things we cannot control. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, before you move, before you move, I'm going to give you a practical example today. I have things that are within my control and things that are not in the power of my control. And I cannot control the fact I'm a slob. And during communion, I spilled red juice on my white shirt. And I want to change it. And I want to fix it. But you know what? I got to preach. I can't fix it. Anybody ever been there? You want to fix it and you just can't do anything about it. anybody ever been there? Today, right? Right? I want to fix it. I can't. Because I like things a certain way, and it's not that way, and it bugs me. So you know what? You know what you do in those moments? I'll tell you what you do. You say, hey, look, i got a spot on my shirt, and you move on with life. I just gave some of you a real powerful, powerful tool. Just call out what you can't control and move on with life. Wouldn't that be really good? Yeah, there's lots of things you can't control, right? So let's just move on with life. Let's trust God. What? Some things are not worth worrying about. And about half of what kept you awake last night wasn't worth worrying about in the first place. So why don't you do this? Why don't you turn to somebody and give them a big smile? Because everybody needs a smile. A smile makes you feel better. Big smile. Come on. Smile. Everybody gets a smile today. There you go. If you're online, here's your smile. There you go. And then you can be seated. If you didn't smile at somebody, I'm going to have to come out there and grab you and smile you. All right. Everybody needs to know they're welcome, right? Yeah, always. Hey, if you're ever walking around church, you see somebody you don't know, give them a big smile whether they like it or not. Right? You know why? Because they, they need it. They came here. Somebody needs a smile, right? I can't control other things, but I can control this. Yeah? yeah? All right. Two, two statements I want to make about God's power. Number one, God's power is unlimited. Now, the Apostle Paul was a brilliant author. Brilliant, brilliant author. He, uh, he wrote some of the most incredible passages ever. First Corinthians chapter 13. He wrote this passage about love that everybody reads at all their weddings and we read a couple weeks ago. It's beautiful, it's a poem, it's amazing. Uh, he also, as a single man, had to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he wrote the most pertinent uh, uh, phrases I've ever read regarding marriage in uh, Ephesians chapter five where he talks about how a man needs respect and a woman needs love. And he talked about those things and uh, wow, you had to be from God. He could also be harsh. The book of Galatians, if you don't know what harsh is, read the book of Galatians. I wish, talking about circumcision, I wish those people would go the whole way and cut the whole thing off. That's what he wrote. That's what he wrote. It's in your Bible. That's Paul, not me. It's in the Bible. If you can argue with somebody, argue with God, not me. There you go. That's pretty rough though, right? He could be harsh. But you know one thing Paul could do as well? He could be elegant. So what I'm going to do is this book of Ephesians and we're going to look for just a second at Ephesians chapter one, verse 18 through 21, and we're going to look at some of the most elegant words ever written and some of the most elegant words that Paul ever wrote. And these are elegant words. As a matter of fact, this is this is beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful language. I was reading it in the Greek. It really captured me. And as I was reading it, it captured me. I realized that Paul probably broke out the thesaurus to write this this bit. So he's praying and he's praying for the people and he's making a wish over them. And he prays that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. Do you know you guys have eyes in your heart? I probably didn't realize that. But I was going through a teaching not long ago and they were saying one of the things you can do is you can identify where feelings and thoughts and emotions are coming from. And one of the ways you can do that is like if it's a thought you can touch your head. Anybody ever think a thought but your gut's telling you something different? Yeah, I like, like, I know it's going to be all right, but you got that horse kick in your gut. Anybody ever been there that you can reason how this is going to work out, but down here there's no reasoning or, or maybe, maybe your heart is telling you something, your heart. And notice how I did this when I was talking about my brain. I touch my brain, touch my belly, touch my... Because there's something about the connectivity. And this might be good sometime when you're having an argument or a wordy time. Is it coming from my head? Is it coming from my gut? Is it coming from my heart? The gut makes me think, you know, that it's, I I just have this feeling something's going to happen. My heart tells me to have faith and hope and trust. My head is telling me the way through. And maybe you want to divide some of those thoughts occasionally. Well, what Paul is doing here is he's saying, hey, listen, listen, there are some things, you know, in your head and there are some things, you know, in your gut, but deep down inside your heart, I want in your heart. I want when everything else is going crazy, when circumstances are crazy, I want you to know in your heart and your heart to be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the glory are the riches of his glorious inheritance of his people and is incredibly great. What come on? His power, God's power. So Paul wants you to know in your heart the power of God for those of us who believe. And then he says this, um, that power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. So the gospel is here. He wants us to understand the power of the gospel that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and exerts power over everything. Now what you missed in the English. And those words were there, but you didn't really pay attention to it. So when I was reading it from the Greek, I was able to see the the, the word choice he was using, that his thesaurus was open, he was searching for new ways to say the same thing. So um, I'm, I'm going to break it down with you in the Greek, and I want you to see verse 19 in the Greek, for example. So can you go to the next slide? And, and what is the surpassing? Now, uperbalo. Is, is a word Uber means uh, beyond and Balo means to throw. So like when I throw a football, I can usually get 35, 40 yards of the football. But, you know, you put Brett Favre or somebody like that or, or who's it? Baker Makefield. Those guys can throw 80 yards. So I throw 40, they throw 80 and they're uperbalo beyond me by 40 yards, right? They're surpassing me by 40. And what, what Paul wants us to and this word uperballo to throw beyond means that there is an ability beyond what you can imagine here. And he's saying the surpassing that when we're talking about God's power, the first word is it's beyond what you can grasp. And then he says, great. And that's megathos and, and mega, you know, y'all you get mega out of it, you understand that. We still use the word, that was mega awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that was only in the 80s, sorry. So <laughs> great is mega. I, and then the next one is power and that's dunamios. And dunamios is the word that is. Um, let me see. That's where we get dynamite. We get dynamite from this word. So think about the power of a stick of dynamite to explode, and that's dunamos. So the oh, and what is the surpassing, beyond, great, mega power? Boom. Undo us who believe according to the, and then he next word he uses is working and that's energia and energia is uh, the Greek word from which we get our word energy. So when you flip on the light switch, anybody ever flip on the light switch and it didn't work. So you went up and you started playing around with the light and then you got shocked. Anybody ever had energia? Yeah, I know you had energia cause you went and you're like, right? You've done the energia dance, right? You have touched 110. One day I touched 220. That's a different level of energia, right? So, yeah, energia, that's what we're talking about. And then mighty, and that word is kratos. Now, kratos is a different word than all the others because this is the word that's used in all of the doxologies in the New Testament. And what it's talking about is a is a power that is over all other powers. It is the power that ov- over rulers, over governments, over structures, over spiritual forces. And this is the Kratos where, you know, to God be the kingdom, the glory and the power and the power there that is, is he rules over everything. And then the last one is strength, which is ixlus, And uh, uh, isk-us. iskus means like a powerful army. Now, the reason I showed you this is in 20 words, Paul uses seven different descriptors or six different descriptors in 20 words of what it means, God's power. And do you think he did that casually or do you think maybe he was thinking about saying, hey, listen, I want your heart to be open to see that no matter what realm of power you're struggling with, God has power over it. Amen. So Sarah, Sarah uh, had been demon possessed for 13 years and had three failed marriages. She would often climb up on the roof, screaming and cursing at anyone walking by. There was this missionary that was trying to reach out to the Roma people. And as he was trying to reach out to them, he couldn't get through. He had a buddy that was in the village and the buddy came to him and said, Hey, listen, my niece is demon possessed and, uh, and she's a mess. Would you come and pray for her? Cause you told me this Jesus has power. So he gets two Christian friends and the missionary's name is John and he goes to Roma's, uh, uh, he goes to to, um, Sarah's house and he walks through the door and he says, Jesus is going to set you free today in a deep, and I'm quoting, in a deep inhuman voice that sounded of a whole choir of demons speaking, they snarled out, no, she's ours, she belongs to us, she's cursed. Well, that's a great way to start your visit. <laughs> Listen, I'm a pastor. Those are the hospital visitations you do not want to go on. So anyway, uh, what happened was John said, well, we're going to pray. And he starts praying for and moving toward her. And the demon slams the girl literally against the wall. And as the 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 demons are are beginning to curse them. Uh, The guys with John moved. They lay hands on her. They begin praying in the spirit. And as they begin praying in a heavenly language, the the demon all of a sudden left her. And she fell in a heap to the ground and gave a big yell and fell to the ground and was delivered. And and they got her up and and, uh, said, hey, we'll come back in a couple of days. And they came back a few days later. And her dad met him and said, my daughter had not even spoken to me for 13 years, but she's been giving me hugs again since you guys left. And there was a whole group of people there waiting to hear the good news of Jesus. And I tell you this story for a very simple reason. I don't care what power you think there is in this earth that's keeping somebody you love down, the God that I serve that raised Jesus from the dead has enough power to deliver anyone. All right. so. The second truth I I want you to hear is the truth that God invests his power in us. Now to enter his kingdom, you must submit to the power of Jesus Christ and you must submit to his wisdom because his power is the only way you can be saved. Second Corinthians 2, 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but upon God's power. And I just want to say this, that if I can talk you into getting saved, somebody else will talk you out of it. But I believe there's a God who has enough power to give you life, hope, and deliverance. And that, uh, you know, well, the story of Vietnamese pastor, Um, he was trying to uh, plant a church in this community and was having no luck. So one afternoon, a young couple he had been witnessing to came to this pastor and, uh, and said, hey, listen, would you come pray for our son? He's dead. So their little son had died and uh, had no hope. He was dead. The pastor goes to the house and he arrived and he prays for the child. Nothing happens. So he leaves and... And uh, 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 the next day, he's going through the same village and they rush out and they grab him and say, come visit our son, because right after he left, the little boy was resurrected from the dead and was healthy and well. We're talking about a boy that was probably dead for four hours uh, alive in Jesus. By the way, this pastor planted a church in that community because you see the demonstration of the Spirit's power is enough to convince you that the gospel is true. You don't have to be afraid because if you, if you share the love of Jesus, God says he will back it up, all right? Third, you know, so the message is confirmed by the Holy Spirit, not only acts of power, but also the Holy Spirit's conviction. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, because the gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and the Holy Spirit's deep conviction. And, and this is the kind of power we have first uh, Corinthians 420 for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a power. And, and what if God wants to use, you for an act of power, but you don't like it. What if he wants to bring conviction through you, but it's a little difficult on you? And a lot of us, we don't, you know, we, we get this little view of, of our problems that we think God's power is there to make our lives comfortable. God's power is not there to make your life comfortable. God's power is there to accomplish God's purposes. And if he chooses to make you uncomfortable to accomplish his purposes, then we need to be submitted to that. I'll tell you the story about a guy named Speedy. The guy's name is Speedy McClendon or Speedy Clendon. That's a picture of him there. Speedy uh, is out in Arizona and one day out of nowhere, he went blind, couldn't see. His vision started fading, started fading, started fading. It was completely gone. Speedy was a follower of Jesus, but he, he didn't understand what was going on. He just lost his eyesight. So Speedy went to the doctor. He drove, I believe it was 163 miles is what they said in the article. It's amazing how I remember stupid stuff from an article, but it's 163 miles, they drive to Phoenix to go to the hospital and when they get there they put him in the hospital and they start running tests on him by now he's completely blind and he's just having a world-class pity party about why he's there and he's blind and God you know why don't you heal me and uh, you know I'm never going to see my wife or kids again I don't know what this is going to mean how am I going to provide for them I don't have any money and he's just flipping out and day two in the hospital around noon well slightly afternoon the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says tomorrow. I'm going to bring a man into your room and you're here for him. Share Jesus with him. So sure enough, the next morning, a guy comes in the room and Speedy gets up. He can't see and he maneuvers his way over. He sits down next to the guy's bed next to him and he sits down and starts sharing the love of Jesus with the guy. And as he begins to share the love of Jesus with him, the guy receives Christ into his heart. And as soon as they finish the prayer and said, amen, poof. Speedy's eyes were open and he went from darkness to total healing in one moment. This is the Pentecostal evangel. These aren't weirdos. These are people that wrote this article. The guy was in the hospital to be blind immediately see and, and hearing the ruckus, another guy in the room go, comes over and gets saved as well. So Speedy said, I led two notice he doesn't talk about God healing from his blindness. He says, I led two people to Jesus before I was out of my pajamas. (laughs) Now I'm asking you a question. What if God allows you to be in a situation where you suffer pain so that you can bring freedom to others? As a Christian, that should be an honor to us. But a lot of us see Jesus as a get out of jail free card, not a get other people out of jail free card. Amen. If you're delivered, maybe God wants to use your life and even your painful circumstance that you don't understand to bring freedom to others. Because Jesus already promised you eternal life. You've already got it. Now he wants to use you. Second Corinthians ten four. Think about this, what a, the story I just told. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have weapons that have divine power. And we're to live in this victory and power, even if it means that we make sacrifices. 2 Corinthians thirteen four. to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, just like Jesus... We are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dealings with you. So our life is to be lived in power towards other. Erdem was a, um, a man who had given his heart to Christ. And uh, he was the elder of his family and was the, the person in the lead of his family. And uh, as soon as his dad died, Erdem took over leadership and Erdem did something. He went immediately to a family that his family had been warring against for a long time and fighting against for a long time. And his first action as the leader of his family as a Christian was to go to this family that they had been in these disputes with and apologize to them and ask them for forgiveness for all the wrongs they had done. Wow. Come on. We, that's power, isn't it? So Erdem goes over. And he, he gets things straight with this family they've been warring against. Well, guess what happened? Erdem's brother didn't like the way he was handling his new power. So as he was walking home, his brother came up and shot him four times at close range. Erdem goes to the hospital, is in a coma. The police come, are talking to the son and asking the son about pressing charges. And there Erdem is laying in a coma. His son is like, I want to know more about this power that dad had to forgive people when they did wrong and I don't know what he would say about his brother but I think I I think dad would probably forgive him too and you know what I would really like to have that kind of forgiveness in my heart I'd like to know Jesus and as soon as they finished praying boom out of the coma popped Erdem he got well and he not only forgave his brother but he put his come on what, 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 what am I telling you? I'm telling you real stories of real people that acted like God's power was for more than them to, to stop having a headache. Maybe God's power is in you to forgive people who have done you wrong. Maybe it's to set a family on a path of righteousness instead of doing the same old junk that's been done for years. <laughs> Second Timothy one, seven for the spirit God gave us doesn't make us timid, but gives us power and love. And notice this one, self-discipline power, love and self-discipline comes out of the Holy Spirit of God living in us. In 2 Peter one, three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. God has given you all you need. You just need to walk in it. I get an email from a guy this past week. He said, two years ago, come May 10th, my life was a mess. I walked into your office, gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and I was really reborn that day in the two years since. I paid off my debt, I've doubled my business, and I've managed to save $10,000, and I know he's taking care of a few other major issues in his life. And that's a guy that sits here every week because God changed his life by the power of God and the ability to to live the godly life that God's called him. let me tell you, look in his face, it's different than it was. The angry person I met two years ago is not the same today. Isn't this good? There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, not just a few of them, all of them. Acts 3, 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, why does it surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we've made this man walk? (laughs) It's not by our power that things happen. It's the power of God. And the power of God is there for a reason. And that power is to bring life to people. So I have a buddy, went to college with him. Actually, I think we were roommates one semester. And uh, then he got in trouble and had to leave college and all that kind of stuff, you know. And then he, he really gave his heart to Christ several years later. Very powerful man of God. You probably know him. His name's Craig Rogers. Been here a time or two. Uh, real deal. Um, real deal. Friend of mine. I know the real him, not the, not the preacher him. And he loves Jesus when nobody's looking. And uh, he really, really operates in the power of the Holy Spirit, as I could tell you from personal experiences with him. Well, he was in Ecuador, going to preach a rally, the guy at that time, he was leading a, about 10,000 churches around the world, they called him apostle and he, he was really awkward with that. But anyway, he was going to preach in one of those churches in Ecuador and uh, it was six o'clock and they were supposed to start the service at six o'clock. Of course, they were running on uh, South America time and they're driving down the road. His driver is the son of a Baptist missionary who's not following Jesus Christ, has walked away from faith. So Craig and the guy are driving down the road. They're doing about 50 mile an hour trying to get to their meeting. And there was a bike on the right hand side. And the driver of course honks his horn to let the guy know he's going to pass him doing 50 mile an hour. And as he cuts over right when they get to him, the, the, the bike rider cuts right in front of him, 50 mile an hour. There's some pictures of the car. So on the one on the, where you can see the license plate, you can see where all the paint's going on the front of the car. That's where the guy's leg hit the car. He flew over the car, landed behind. When they finally got stopped, they went back. Craig said his leg was a mangled mess. It was in different angles, three or four different angles, bent underneath his body, the whole bit. And you can see the part where his shoulder and then his head hit the car. His head made the dent in the top of the car there. And, uh, remember the car was doing 50 mile an hour. And that's where his head hit. His head caused that indentation in the car. Uh, as a matter of fact, Craig said he would have come through the windshield of his head, hadn't hit the top of the car, flipped him over. He gets back and he said, there's a puddle of blood everywhere. There's a huge puddle of blood and the guy's laying there dead. There's no pulse. There's nothing. He's, he's dead. There's no doubt. His body is mangled, twisted, covered in blood. He's a mess. So they said, of course they prayed for him, but nothing happened. Anybody ever been there? Prayed for him, nothing happened. And, uh, and then Craig said he, uh, he went back and he's thinking, oh no, we just killed a national... And we're foreigners. Both of us are foreigners. We don't have enough money to get out of these jails and blah, blah, blah. And he said he started worrying and he's leaning up against his car going, oh my, what are we going to do? I don't know how this is going to work out. And he's all worried about it. And he said he hears the sirens coming from a distance, knows as soon as the police there, they're going to be in jail until they can pay whatever to get out of jail. And he's just freaking out. And he said about that time, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go pray for him again. He said, why would I do that? The dude's dead and I already prayed for him and nothing happened. He said, go pray for him again. So he goes around back of the car and he kneels down on one knee, lays his hand on him and says, Jesus, if you can do anything, heal him. And about that time, the guy twitched. So he twitched. They picked him up. Some of the standard buyers picked him up, threw him in a car and took him to the hospital. Well, of course, white people in Ecuador hit national they get carted off when the cops get there, they go to jail and they're expecting big bribes or something to get out of jail. And it's a mess and Craig is, he said he's in trouble. And about that time, about two hours later, they're still sitting there interrogating him. And Jose, the guy they hit on the bicycle, walks through the door. Walk, literally walks through the door. He had two stitches over his left eye. Not a bruise not a broken bone, no visible cuts, nothing. Needless to say, can you show the next picture? The next picture has the driver and Craig standing there. The driver, the ex-Baptist boys, (laughs) gives his heart to Christ on the spot, as does Jose. Guys, you're worried about God having enough power to rescue from your little problem? You're, you're worried, well, what if such and such happens or this or that or the other? Why, why don't you spend all your time worried about that? Why don't, why don't you believe that God has given you everything you need for a godly life? God has, did, did you hear that verse? God has already given you everything you need for a godly life. You just need to put it into action. You see, you're, you're all worried about this problem and God says, I may be using this problem to accomplish this miracle. I get a miracle this big and you're worried about this big of a problem. Why don't you trust me with this and put it in my power? Remember, he has Kratos, he has all the authority, every power in heaven and earth, every power that has ever been named, ever will be named, every one will bow its knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has the power and the authority to do it all. Now, I said you're thinking about something this big because now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than what you can ask or imagine, he can do more. According to his power that is at work in us, not in them, in you. God wants to work his power in you through you to accomplish the amazing, the impossible, because you're submitted to him and to him be the glory. I don't know, maybe you're here and you're thinking about, or you're watching online and you're thinking about a problem you got. And you're like, there ain't no way I can win this one. Well, welcome to the club. Maybe it's time for us to do this. Maybe it's time for us to start asking God's power to be revealed in us and through us. And for us to confess his lordship and his power and his authority and his purposes more than ours. Yeah, I believe Jesus can heal. I believe Jesus can bring lost family members back to Christ. I believe Jesus can do the impossible. He can give you a job, or finances, or take care of of the loneliness or the brokenness of your own heart, your own thinking, of your own mind. He can do those things. Do you want it? If so, I'm, we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing it through four or five or ten or twenty times. I don't care. I got time. You got time. I got time. What I'd like you to do is I would like you, if you want the power of God to be revealed in a circumstance in your life, when we start singing this song, I want you to stand up. I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to just say, Jesus, I trust your power. I begin to focus on you and your purposes and your power in the circumstance and situation. Can you join me? Let's do it.